was stuck, I was running around broken hearted I was sinking so fast, I couldn't last, falling apart And you could've run away, leaving me there in my shame Leaving me fighting my pain, but you made a better way oh, oh, oh. I've been taken back to the center I'm held by the Father above Good afternoon, and thanks for coming back and checking out episode number four of In the Sanctuary. This afternoon, we're in the sanctuary with Gary Richards. Gary's a longtime friend, and he's going to be talking with us a little bit about barbecue, sharing his salvation experience, and uh, just basically the daily struggles of being a Christian in today's business world and how we cope with that and everyday issues. But praise the Lord, in a little while, we're gonna play Who Dat? We're also gonna hear from brother Jason Burden, who's gonna get a word in. And at some point in the show, we will check out the scripture Hebrews. 1229 for our God is a consuming fire so hang out enjoy the show and don't forget to send your emails or your comments you can put comments in the comment section on the website or you can just send me your emails to servinghim at ucfnatchez.org love to hear from you Gary, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Well, praise the Lord. Listen, Gary, how long have I known you? I've been doing work with your family for years now. Oh, it's been a while now. It's been 12, 15 years at least. Something like that. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, uh, for those of you who don't know who Gary Richards is, he's got some of the best barbecue in Southeast Texas. Billy Joe's Barbecue in Port Natchez. Uh, how'd that get started, Gary? Well, the original owner is from Nederland, but he opened the place at a, a barbecue stand called Billy Joe's Barbecue, and it was behind Fartenberry's Old Meat Locker on the corner of did, Armstrong. Did you just say Fartenberry's? Fartenberry's <laughs> <laughs> Meat Locker, yes. Praise the Lord. Yes, sir. Uh, it was, it, but uh, it was took off from there, and he ended up building a new building here on the corner of 4th and Magnolia, and uh, that was back in 1973, wow. and I went to work for him in 1975, and... Uh, been doing it for a long time. Good night. No wonder your barbecue's so good. You obviously got a handle on the ins and outs of it. Well, that's why I stuck around as long as I did. I wanted to end up owning it whenever I grew up. <laughs> Amen. You know what, Gary? I've got a question for you, and I didn't plan on asking you this, but let's talk about a friend of yours that has recently, in, in the last year, has passed away there was a man that would sit out front of your barbecue place and just wave at folks. Now, I had the pleasure of speaking with him. I can't remember his name, but he was a good Christian man and just always wanted to share the Lord with you, and he also shared your barbecue. Yes, sir. His name was Cleo Baltimore. He was one of Billy Joe's, the original Billy Joe's first cooks. 
Uh, he was our pit master for 45 years. He, wow. he started there when Billy Joe built the new building, and he uh, he passed away September 11th of last year. Uh, we dearly miss him, and uh, we uh, wish that uh, that uh, he could uh, be with us today. But you know, he's uh, he waited for the Lord, and the Lord waited for him, and he's in a better place now. And uh, and we're happy for him, and and I know that he's with us in in uh, in heart and spirit all the time. Amen. Well, I know one thing I could tell you about him is he loved Jesus, and he just wanted to tell people about it. He was a true example of when Jesus said, "Love your friend, love your neighbor as you love yourself." He uh, he de definitely loved everyone, and he was the type that everybody was a friend until they gave him reason not to be. Right. And he right. was the, one of those kind of guys that always had a smile and a friendly gesture. And even when he was upset, he would go in the back room and mumble to himself before he would say something bad about somebody out loud. So I, <laughs> Good. that's a lot better than I can say for myself. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> if we could all be just a little more like that, we'd probably save a lot of trouble fighting. Yes, sir. Well, um, how long? when did you get saved? Um, I tell you what, there's not an exact date, but I can remember back in my early 40s, my children were young, and I knew that things were not going in my life the way that I wanted them to go. And so I started becoming active with my church, which I've been in a church all my life. I was baptized at Wesley Methodist Church in Needland. I uh, started going back with my little kid, my children when they were little. And I started realizing how much I'd been missing, uh, that my life was totally messed up, and it was all my fault, and that I, I, I needed more than my abilities to to pull me out and so uh, uh through a lot of prayer a lot of time with my ch my church family and uh and now i'm a sunday school teacher and i'm very active in my church and uh we uh i, I can tell I, I could tell you stories that would curl your hair <laughs> <laughs> well my about, hair could use a little about, bit of it <laughs> well <laughs> about my past but I, i'm not going to do that i'm just saying that I, I just i'm so happy that i'm in the spot that i'm in now god has blessed me uh, he was waiting for me with open arms, and I'm so glad that it, that he was. And so now I just do all I can to, to give back. Right. Well, you're definitely a little bit more like me than some people. I know that I was sharing at Outreach today that when I got saved, I could not tell you an exact date of when it happened, but I know that uh, God had been drawing me, been using different people, and finally he had me in this little bitty church on a dirt road in Madison County, and uh, when the invitation was given after that, after that message, after the preacher shared the word, uh, I went up there and, uh, you know, a lot of times you just go up and you're hugging with the preacher and praying or whatever. And I, I grabbed that preacher and uh, I drug him down to the floor with me. And I, I mean, <laughs> I knew I needed Jesus yeah. because you got to, at, at some point in your life, you realize that there's a place called hell and it's real. Yes, sir. And Amen. that you're Amen. doomed to spend eternity there separated from a God who loves you if you don't get saved. And at that point, and only at that point, can you truly cry out and be saved? Because if you think you're okay, why would you ever ask for salvation? I'm at the point now that my heart goes out to all those that don't realize that there is a God that loves them. And Amen. That they're, they're wasting their time here on earth because they haven't found what's, what's been searching for them. Right. Well, let me ask you this, brother. Uh, just one quick question. In your business, because I know every time I drive by here, I see you. You are working. I mean, you must work 80 hours a week at your own barbie. I mean, you own the place. You're supposed to relax a little bit, but you're always out there working. 
My question is this, in the business world, in the restaurant world, in competing with all these other chains and everything, uh, but serving the Lord like you do, what is the biggest struggle that you find to say, well, I want to maintain my Christian walk. I don't want to sidestep to the right or to the left, as the scripture says, but I'm trying to maintain this business. What's the biggest struggle that you find trying to mesh the two? Well, the biggest struggle is the way of the world is not God's way. And for us to run a business God's way, we have to go against the business principles that they may teach in the colleges or that another business may push on their management levels. Uh, it, for us, it's not the bottom line, it's the people involved, whether it's the customer, whether it's an employee, whether it's just a salesman on the other end of the telephone or in person, you have to treat everybody with the same love and respect and do it in a way that, yes, you, you got to have a good product and you got to take care of your business, but you don't have to be sharp, you don't have to be rude, you don't have to cut people off, and it's not always the bottom line that's important. Sometimes you, ha you have to give. Because we've been given a lot, we're expected yeah, to give, yeah. and we do give. Uh, we give our employees more chances than what most people might give their employees. I know the feeling there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you, you have to. You have to be forgiven because I know I've made many mistakes in my past, and I've had bosses that maybe were not as forgiven. But uh, it, it, as long as they're willing to try and put up with uh, the way we want to run our business in, in a godly type manner, we're going to try to work with them. But uh, some people really don't care if it's a godly manner or not, and they decide to go in another direction. And that's um, it makes it a little bit tough to be a, a true business owner and be a Christian at the same time. You know, the, the Hobby Lobbies and the Chick-fil-A's, they're the big names in the Christian business world. But uh, there's a lot of mom and pops that, that they want to do the right thing. They want to make sure that they're giving back at the same time that they're trying to make a living. Amen. All right. Well, praise the Lord. Uh, now, I know that at one point, you know, my church, United Christian Fellowship in Port Natchez, Texas, once a month we go out to Wise Park and we feed the homeless. We did that this morning. It was a great, praise God, we had one salvation today. It was amazing. Amen. It was an older That's gentleman. Great. And he's been coming to our outreach for years now. He's been enjoying the service, enjoying the food, and we do try to give them the word every time. And this time, God just moved on him. And like the word says about Lydia, the seller of purple, when God opened his heart to receive the word that was spoken, he did. And he came forward to receive Christ, praise God. Um, but the great. reason, amen, the reason I bring it up, brother, is... Uh, You've been a part of that ministry. You have actually, or Billy Joe's Barbecue has actually sent links. You sent good, not as a huge bucket full of links <laughs> out there and chips and drinks and, uh, and bread. And you really helped us out. My question, I know that you're doing a lot for the kingdom. I, I know that you do a lot to serve your risen Savior. Praise God for you. Your business is kind of almost a different entity. And I know that you're the driving force behind it but what is billy joe's doing other than than that time you helped me but what is billy joe's doing as far as community outreach or in order to serve the kingdom of god we work with all the churches in the area they're not just with your church but other churches called up and said hey we're trying to have a, a, a food drive or we're trying to have a clothing drive or we're trying to have some a special work day for for mission related work like that we're constantly either donating to, and if it's a very huge project, then we're just kind of giving it at a decent price where we can at least recover, recover a little bit. But uh, 
most of the time, if, if a church calls up and says they're in need of, of something special for mission outreach, me and my wife, who is actually the driving force for we're both very mission related, uh, and we we both try uh, to serve more than just in our business and at our church, but we try to serve on the outside. We do a lot of mission work with our church, and uh, and we make a lot of donations to other churches for their mission work. So it's not just a matter of of I'm not a big denomination type guy. I, I believe that as long as you're serving God, that's what you were called to Praise do. The Lord. And it doesn't have to be Methodist, Baptist, whatever, non-denomination. As long as you've got the love of Christ in your heart and you're trying to help somebody in need, I think that's what we were all called to do. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Uh, hold on. I almost forgot about this. You hear that music? That means it's time to play Who Dats? Uh, I'm sorry to spring this. I didn't tell you about this. I'm sorry. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Who Dat is a game that we play, and since you don't know, I'll just go on and tell you. I'm going to present you with three illustrations, scenarios, questions, call it what you will. I'm going to give you three clues as to the identity of this scriptural character. And it is up to you, sir, to tell me who it is. And if you do, you win a grand total of love and respect from your peers. <laughs> pretty much all we're offering, just the fun of it. Okay, so, are you ready? I'm going to try. All right, let's give it a shot. Question number one, scenario number one. I sit in the gate of the city to welcome strangers when they come in. Who am I? Got me. I don't know. I need another clue. Okay. Okay. Clue number two. And you may get it from this one. If you do, we'll just bust out with clue number three. I offered my daughters to the evil men of the city. Lot. But um bum You got it. Crazy. <laughs> so it was lot. And then of course the last one is always e the easy one. My wife turned to salt. Oh, so yeah. then, of yeah. course, you'd get it from there. Don't remember that he sat at the gate welcoming others. Read the scripture that talks about when the angels first came to the Sodom. city. And Lot was there sitting in the gate. Yeah. And he welcomed them. Okay. Lot, he really catches a hard rap a lot of times because Lot made some mistakes. But think about this. Here's a guy who moved into a town that was so bad and so against the dictates of his Lord. And he stayed there. Now right there we think, oh, he's getting involved in some shady stuff. If he was a Christian, he wouldn't be hanging around there. But how many missionaries are sent into the worst places and do they stick it out or do they hightail it? Lot stuck it out. 
And you know what the scripture says? That the men of the place, when they surrounded his home, they said, this one has come to be a judge and keeps judging us. Lot didn't keep quiet. He was there in their face, telling them about their sin. Lot was a missionary. And he would sit in the gate, and when others came into town, he would tell them, hey, this ain't the safest place for you. Come to my house. Lot was, Lot made some mistakes, but he hung out in the ghetto probably longer than I would have, and he preached to the rough and tumble. Well, you can't always preach to the choir. That's, 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 sometimes you got to go where the sinners are at to get the word out. So that's I, right. I, I'm a part believer in that. It. Praise yes. God. Well, listen, Gary, um, I appreciate you coming and being on the program with me today and uh, sharing your heart with us. And uh, do me a favor. Leave our listeners with a thought. Just something to ponder. Maybe there's something on your heart that might help me to grow in my Christian walk. And, well, let me try to remember this uh, this poem that I've heard many times. I didn't write it, so don't, I'm not trying to take credit for it, but I liked it so much that I made Bible markers out of it to mark my Bible and gave it to several people in my Sunday school class so they could also mark theirs. But it goes something like this. A song's not a song till you sing it. A bell's not a bell till you ring it. And love wasn't put in your heart there to stay, for love's not love till you give it away. God sent us here to love others, not just to love our friends, not just to love our families, but to love our enemies and to love the strangers next door or down the road. And as long as you're trying to share love with others, you're, you're doing the right thing. And that's the, what's important is to always try to do the right thing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Folks, you heard it. That's Gary Richards, Billy Joe's Barbecue in Port Natchez, Texas. Uh, we certainly appreciate him and all the work that he does for our Savior. Coming up next, Pastor Jason Burden gets a word in. Hi, this is Jason Burden. I'm the pastor of First Baptist Church in Nederland, Texas. And I want to thank Jason Gospel for inviting me to come on here and spend a few minutes with you uh, talking about the subject of peace. Uh, Jason is a good friend and, and uh, has always been a source of encouragement to me. And uh, when I found out that he started this podcast, uh, I was really excited. I, I hope I was one of the first subscribers, and I hope that he gets many more because all who subscribe to In the Sanctuary are going to get a regular blessing. And I just appreciate him inviting me to come and, and share with you just a, a few minutes of uh, wisdom. And, you know, when, when it comes to the subject of peace, we've just, uh, just now uh, exited a season where we remember that Jesus, uh, born of, of Mary, placed in the manger, uh, he's our promised prince of peace. Uh, the prophet Isaiah told us that he would be the prince of peace. And I think for each of us, our experience with Jesus is that the closer that we get to him, the more peace that we experience. Uh, you know, when when we, we're talking about making resolutions um, this time of year, it's the first Sunday, uh, first week of the, the new year, you know, I think everybody's list ought to include more peace and less stress. You know, I, I see people every week who are stressed out, who are 
anxious about so many things, so many things that are outside of their control, so many things that they can do very little to affect. You know, part of the peace that comes with being a Christian involves turning that anxiety, turning those frustrations over to God through prayer. You know, just, just think of it this way. Those things that you're worried about, those things that have you stressed out, you know, those need to be put at the top of your prayer list to say, Lord, in order for me to experience the peace that you want in my life, I'm going to have to give these to you. Because in doing so, I recognize your control over all things, uh, all things that are going on in my life and around my life. Uh, Jesus told his disciples, in this world, you're going to have trouble. As Christians, we're not exempt from any kind of normal troubles, trials, or tribulations that befall uh, people. But what we have that others may not, others certainly don't, is is the peace of Christ that passes all understanding. This morning at, at my church, uh, we were looking at a passage in Colossians. In Colossians 3, there's uh, right in the heart of that chapter, there's a passage about peace. In Colossians 3, verse 15, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Uh, of course, the sentence goes on, but just I just love that that portion right there of that verse let the peace of christ rule in your heart you know i imagine jesus to be a man of peace that uh caused others around him to feel peace wholeness shalom that word rule in the greek uh really means to umpire and just think of all the competing desires that we have in our hearts uh things that buy for our attention and our affection and when we let the peace of Christ be the umpire of our affections, even our anxieties. He governs us in a way that provides us the, the peace that he promises to us. Uh, you know, and he promised never to leave us or forsake us. So I'm, I'm just thankful that, that Christ gives us access, not just to salvation, a hope and glory, but also to a present peace that grounds us in our, our faith, it causes us to be able to do more for God and receive more from God. And that's a, a beautiful part about being a Christian is this peace-filled relationship that we have with God that we can share with others. But I just appreciate Jason Gospel allowing me these few minutes to share with you a couple of thoughts about peace. May God bless you richly. Well, all right. Special thank you to Brother Jason Burden, First Baptist, Nederland, Texas, for coming on with us. I won't keep you too much longer. I do apologize for the sound quality on most of the uh, program today. We tried out a different room, and, uh, well, you uh, learn the most from the mistakes. Praise the Lord. So. I told you that we were going to discuss Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29. Our God is a consuming fire. And I know I don't have a lot of time left on the program, but I just want to share that with you. Our God is a consuming fire, the word says. When uh, Moses went up on the mount to be with God 40 days and 40 nights, he it wasn't a peaceful, you know, the hills are alive with the sound of music sort of a situation. The, the hills that day... And those days and nights 
uh, were alive with fire, smoke, and the majesty of the glory of God. It was an amazing sight to behold, I'm sure. In fact, it left Moses trembling in fear, as he said. So intense was the voice of God that day that the Hebrew people told, Mo told Moses, you go talk to him, because if we hear his voice again, we're going to die. That's the majesty of our God. The fact that he's a consuming fire, it speaks to the intensity. It speaks to the unchangeableness, if that's even a word, of our God. And I'm reminded something I shared at the park yesterday. My son and I the other night had a pretty big fire in the backyard. We were getting rid of some boxes that we had left over from Christmas or even just whatever boxes lying around and I wanted to get rid of them so I burnt them in the fire pit and when the fire was blazing the hottest of course my 10 year old being a 10 year old was playing around and I reminded him Django you need to not do that next to the fire if my son had fallen into the fire he wouldn't have changed the fire any but he would have been changed forever. Fire does something to you. Fire will. I knew a man that I once worked with. Worked with at uh, when he was much younger was playing with fire and playing with a fuel that he had got drenched with, and he ended up burning the whole right side of his body and his face. He was changed instantly, and has always been changed. He won't ever change back. If you've experienced the fire of God then you've been changed and if you can't look back on a time in your life and, and I'm not saying the date and the time and the hour and uh, that's not what I mean but if you cannot determine that at some point in your life and if you can't tell the story of when God changed you when you went from being who you were to being who God has made you to when you went from being that lost person to being that saved person who you are now if you can't look back on your life and see when a real change happened then I'm pretty certain you have not met the God that I'm talking about I'm, I'm pretty certain that you have not met the Savior Jesus Christ because our God is a consuming fire when you come in contact with fire you're changed you're changed forever. So I implore you, my friends, in love, I, I ask you to search yourself. The Bible tells us in many different places, in many different ways, that we should test ourselves, check ourselves, be sure of our salvation, be certain of it. So if you would tonight, just look back on your life. And if you don't have a salvation story, if you don't have a testimony of a life change that happened in you when Jesus Christ touched you with his fire, if you don't have that, you can have it today. Just ask Jesus Christ to be your savior, to forgive you of your sins where you've just, you know, where all of us do it. We live according to the world. Before we meet Jesus Christ, we, we love our sin. We live in our sin and everything is hunky-dory and you know, you, you may say, well, I decided back in 1982 I wanted to change my life and live right. And that's all fine and good. Kudos to you. But you can't, no matter how much you change, 
pay for the past. You have to be changed. And you have to be changed by fire. You can have it today. Send us your emails. Send us your comments. Serving him at ucfnechess.org. U-C-F-N-E-C-H-E-S dot org. Thank you.